Welcome to Hall Fights, a NerdOnEarth.com podcast where we look at the Marvel heroes of Netflix as we prepare for the launch of the Defenders series. This time, new contributor Wit joins me to talk about a rather unlikely choice to be Marvel's second show in their Netflix era. Join us as we talk about the history of the character Jessica Jones and about her first season on Netflix. Welcome to Hall Fights, where today we are going to be talking about uh, the Netflix series Jessica Jones, the second in the Marvel series of shows that's on Netflix as we move towards the Defenders. And today joining me is a new contributor to NerdsOnEarth.com, Wit. Wit, welcome to the show. Hey, Jason. Thanks, man, so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, I'm i curious to, to know a little bit. You're going to be a unique case in that you came to the character Jessica Jones first through the show. Is that correct? Yeah. So my whole history with kind of Marvel in general really began with Iron Man 1. I, I grew up as a nerd, did a lot of nerdy things, but comics just wasn't in my wheelhouse at the time. And so I don't, don't read comic books but have fallen in love with comic book movies and TV shows, so to speak. I would think increasingly there's a, there's more and more people that are that way. Uh, it's hard to uh, to live in pop culture today without running into superhero-themed shows, movies. I mean, at this point in time, you almost uh, can't watch all the superhero content being created. I recently kind of had to purge my life of some of the comic content that I was like going through. There's just too much out there right now in a great way. Because at the end of the day, these people are telling compelling stories. And that's really what I think is driving so many people like me who don't have a, a history with comics, so to speak, to, to watch these things because they're, they're telling great stories. And, and that's really what kind of brings people in. Well, and that's it, right? Uh, comic books in, are just a, a compelling way to tell a sequential story. And, uh, and the fact that they have been adapted now and put into movies and TV shows makes, makes a lot of sense. And, uh, so you came to Jessica Jones first through the series. Uh, I got to say when they announced that the second Netflix show was going to be Jessica Jones, it caught a lot of us that were comic book fans off guard because she was a character that was originally created for this thing called the Marvel max line, which were, um, comic books that were told for adults, like Cinemax of the comic line. I, I don't know if they want to, would own up to taking it from there, but, but it's that way. It's definitely sort of your, your the way this day HBO has their premium shows and, uh, they do things that they, they can get away with that you can't do on network TV. Uh, that's what kind of what the Marvel max line was. And so Jessica Jones was this character that was created by Brian Michael Bendis shows up first in a series called Alias and um, where she is a lot like this first season for the show, a private detective. And then later they've sort of wrote her into the backstory of the Marvel universe. Um, In her history, she was a classmate with Peter Parker. She was a reluctant hero for a while. Something happens. Um, She kind of loses that leaves being a hero becomes a detective. Uh, and then that sort of shifted. Then they moved her into more mainstream comics in a comic called Pulse, where she's working as, a, I think, a journalist. And so when, when it was announced that Jessica Jones was going to be the second series, a lot of us sort of were like, this could be potentially interesting. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And then I'll just be really honest. When they announced the casting of uh, Kristen Ritter, I, um, I hated it. Really? <laughs> I, yeah, I, so in fairness, I had never watched Breaking Bad, which I think is probably the other thing she was most known for. I knew her in an ABC sitcom called, uh, 
I don't even remember. But is it, it don't it, trust the bee? In yeah, that's 23? the one. Yeah, James Vanderbeek. <laughs> yes, uh, and I just didn't care for it uh, very much. And, and I don't know. I, I guess I had some preconceived notions of what Jessica Jones was going to be. She she was in a couple of episodes of The Blacklist, and I remember going through that that series and seeing her and thinking she was incredible because she played kind of this two-faced character, almost a, a character with, like, split personalities, and she was so sweet as one of the characters and yet so, like, villainous as this other one, and I thought, like, man, this girl can do it all. So I remember seeing, like, you know, Daredevil and then seeing the next series is going to be Jessica Jones, and knowing her from from Blacklist and thinking, okay, this girl's going to nail this. Um, just knowing that Marvel is trying to tell some more adult themed stories on Netflix versus you know movies, I really thought she had it in her. So for me, I loved it. And, and I got to say, I was wrong. I mean, uh, from from the get go, when the first episode dropped and I watched it, I thought, uh, okay, this uh, this is going to work. She really is doing a, a fantastic job in uh, portraying the character. So I'm curious to you, not knowing the comics, but you know this is a Marvel series. Uh, What stood out to you when you started to watch the series? So, I mean, even from the title, I mean, the title sequence at the beginning, like the, the theme of the music and how they almost go like film noir, you could tell that something was different. I, and, and for me, I mean, I've, I've, you know, watched all of the Marvel movies. I've seen all of the, the Netflix series shows, this one to me seems like the most interesting and like the biggest risk for them to kind of take. And what I mean by that is like, I think for a lot of like nerd culture, it's easy to watch a TV show about a bunch of ninjas that are fighting a lot and that's exciting. And there's uh, obviously great stories to be told about the Avengers and like these big, bigger than life heroes. But I, I did not expect a series about a dislikable an unlikable woman who's suffering from essentially PTSD, uh, who doesn't want to be a hero. There's something about that story that they captured. And to me, I mean, it was like episode one, I was in. And I I think you're right in that it stands out that this character has gone through so much and that, that, that has to have an impact on you. And so to, to show that and to show throughout the course of the series, how she got to the place she's at at the beginning of the the series. Um, I think it really stands out as some compelling story. A a lot of times, like you're saying, we want our superhero movies to wrap up in nice bows and to be overwhelmingly positive. And the truth is, in a world where if powers are real, there are going to be some people that have horrible you know, calamities happen in their life and how do they deal with that and how, um, how does that play out? And so I think it's, it's really interesting to, to know that they chose her right away as sort of, this is going to be the second story. Well, and what's cool about that too, like, I mean, I think we, sometimes we escape into these worlds and we see these people with these powers and we think like, that could be me. You know, I, if only I had those powers, my life would be great. And then we see this picture of this woman who has these abilities that she never asked for that she, at the end of the day, doesn't really care to have because, you know, we, we always joke about the, the Peter Parker, you know, Uncle Ben line, like with great power becomes great responsibility. Yeah. Like what if you don't want that responsibility? And what if your life is not made easier by these abilities and, and, and really kind of feeling that story out was exciting for me. Yeah. And in a way it's sort of a, an on, an on unwanted, like messiahship, right? Um, That plays out a little bit across the series as she sort of becomes this public figure. You know, she has to adapt and takes on this persona. 
we we see a lot more of that in the comics. She becomes a superhero known as Jewel. Yeah, I mean they they talk about that in the show a little bit, like kind of her. I mean, I think Trish talks that talks to her about like her past life as a hero. And and for me, I mean, you tell me if this is how it went, but it feels like Trish really wants to be the hero, and so she's the one that's kind of pushing her, Jessica, into that. And like she Jessica's like tried it and like failed and. Yeah, and so it's really interesting that uh, Trish Walker is sort of her BFF, her 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 friend in the the series. Uh, in the comics, uh, that character goes on to become a superhero, and uh, and you see they sort of are laying the groundwork for that. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, she saves Jessica in one of the fight scenes. Like she comes to her rescue. Yeah, and you see her training and that kind of thing. Yeah. I. I th- I suspect that will be a big part of Jessica Jones season two, but it's an interesting thing to, to watch is um, you have these two very different opinions about what do I do with these powers played out in this friendship. And, uh, and I think it, it does a great job of uh, Trish sort of takes on the role of, of what the audience would, you would think from the get go would be like, you have powers. It's this great thing. Do something with them. Yeah, sure. And yet Jessica has had this other experience that uh, is not that. I think I, I kind of go back to like Goodwill Hunting, you know, a little bit. You know, you've got like this character who's a genius, and he never asked for it, and he kind of sees it as a burden. And then there's that great scene where, you know, uh, his best friend, you know, Ben Affleck, comes up to him and basically tells him, "If you're still doing the same thing, like in 20 years, like I'm going to kill you because yeah. like you you're you're meant for more than this." And you kind of feel that relationship a little bit with Trish and Jess. Definitely. So. I- you can't talk about uh, Jessica Jones, the series, or honestly, the comic alias without talking about Kilgrave. So the first thing that you should know if you're not a comics fan is that in the comic books, uh, Kilgrave is known as the Purple Man. And I think he's legit purple in the comics, right? He is a legitimately purple-skinned human being, yeah. Okay. And um, so you can imagine part of one of the things I think a lot of people had when they announced the show was, are they really going to do that? (laughs) Are they going to put a purple man inside a television show? Here's my thing that I'm going to say. I I think uh, David Tennant's Kilgrave is the second best villain Marvel has created in any of their properties. Okay. Before I disagree with you, I have to know who do you think is number one? So, so I would say, and and it would depend on the day, but I would say Loki seems to be everybody's favorite number one villain. Okay. Yeah. If you're asking me which one do I think is people's favorite, it's obviously Loki. And there's a lot to do with the, with the film and, and the film series and, and just how that relationship has played out. Um, if you want to ask the scariest to me, it's easily Kilgrave across all villains. What makes Jessica uh, Jones work as a series is they created a villain that is terrifying. His powers, for if you've never seen the show, is that he has the ability to control people's minds and their actions through that. And um, man, they do such a great job of setting up some of those scenes that uh, that just overwhelm you. So, so the scene in the uh, police station, yeah, uh, to me is one of the scariest things ever put on film. Um, <laughs> to to think about this guy has this ability to overwhelm this many people and and do you know this crazy thing and then just make them all forget about it it's um it's really interesting to to think about so so when you think about Kilgrave what stands out to you uh that makes him be uh such uh, a villain the fact that he's not such a villain and what I mean by that is you know watch any other Marvel thing you've got the hand trying to take over New York or you've got 
you, I mean, Thanos that's going to try to take over the galaxy. You've got these big things happening to these big places. And then you have a series where a guy that's just trying to live his life in the most evil way possible. And when, he's not trying to take over the world. He's not on some big power trip of like having authority. He's just a guy that will do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, because he can make you do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And for me, what's scary about that is I, I think s there's a little bit of us in Kilgrave. And I think that's best played out in the scene with, uh, with Hogarth. Um, he, he, she, she is this powerful attorney. She's going through a rough, partner, rough spot in her life. And the first chance she gets to like be around Kilgrave, she tries to use him for her own advantage. And you just know that if she had those powers, she would absolutely be doing the same thing Kilgrave's doing. And I think there's a part of us that does that same thing that says, you know, if I really could control people, like I absolutely would control people to get my way. And so you have that question of that to, to, to me, it's not really a question. It's just, that's why Kilgrave is so villainous because he's kind of like us, um, but in a sick and twisted way. And, and I think they show that through his power. And, and I think even they show it past his power in, uh, so for whatever reason, Jessica somehow, uh, he loses the ability to impact her. Right. And, right. and what they do so he still uses his powers in such a way that he still is exhibiting control over her, even without it being necessarily his power. So right. the scenes in her family home and that kind of thing, I mean, those are just creepy and, and eerie and really do make you go, man, um, this guy's really twisted. But it also is like you said, the reality is, man, if, if I had the ability to just tell people to do what I wanted them to do. Um, you know, it, it's easy to think, it's easy to think you would start with things like I wouldn't sit in rush hour traffic anymore, but, <laughs> but like, where does it stop? You, that's the thing. I think like you exactly. give those, you give those powers to somebody for a day and maybe it's not so bad. You give it to them for a year or a lifetime and you're going to start to like slip into that. I mean, uh, they say power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And that's what Kilgrave is, is he's got essentially absolute power in this world to do whatever he wants. And that's just what he does. And, and I think we, if we're all honest with ourselves, a little bit of us would kind of want that. Um, and it's just that question of like, how far you, would you go if you had this? And so I think it's terrifying because it kind of reveals in us, you know, something dark. Well, and, and you can see, right. It probably did not start with him going full on crazy. It was little by little, you know, um, he, he probably used his power at first just to influence people. And then, you know, eventually he takes full control over, over people. It's a, I, I, uh, I, I can't imagine uh, season one of Jessica Jones being as good as it was without him as the villain. Sure. I, I hope, I hope it doesn't become the thing where that's all they ever do with this character, but it is, uh, it definitely makes this season one really stand out. But for me though, on the other side of that is like, I, I am a little over the comic books like world of like, if somebody dies, you just bring them back somehow. Yeah. Like I, I, I know that he was a powerful character, but at some level, like the way they ended it, it's kind of like it's done. And I, for, for me, I hope that it's done just because it puts a nice seal on things. But yeah, I mean, there could have been multiple seasons of this and, but I applaud them for ending it where you got a, a satisfying ending. Absolutely. And so one of the things that I do think, makes Jessica Jones stand out in a ways that some of the other Marvel shows on Netflix haven't is um some of those other shows drag almost in all of our reviews you're going to hear us say they're 13 episodes and we wish they had been 10 right uh 
I think Jessica Jones is the one that I, I still think there was some fat they could have cut out of it, but on the whole, it's a it's a pretty good run in a series uh, across the the whole season. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I, I think this is the beauty of a Netflix model because on the bad episodes, you just jump right in and skip it and go to the next one. Like you just get over it really quick. I, it's hard for me to think about like what would these series be if they had to do the once a week thing. Right. Because I feel like you would lose people around seven or eight because they, I, I agree with you. These series start to drag around that time. And if you can't just skip it and move on and find out what else happens, like I think people would get bored, but the beauty of binging it all at once is like, you just can keep going. So this season of Marvel agents of shield was that way for me. Like it hit a wall. And so I stepped away from it. Same. And then, you know, I, I waited and then was able to go back on Hulu and when I could binge it, it was a whole lot easier to go, all right, so that one wasn't great, but we're moving somewhere. Yeah. To the point at the end of the season, I thought it was a really great season. But it's interesting that you're you're talking about that that model and how quickly, because we can just go, all right, I'm going to power through and get to the next one. Um, that that helps and it makes happen. Iron Fist was that way for me. I You know, uh, it, it dragged for me in the middle, but I powered through and I ended up liking the series and I'm excited to see what they do with it in the defenders. Um, but it's the same thing. Uh, Daredevil season two, a little bit of the same thing. And, and it's not yeah. that any of these things are bad or that I'm not enjoying them. It's just like, sometimes you get a little point like, okay, if this was a once a week thing and I wasn't getting my fix, like I think I'd be done, but because I can just hit play again and see if the next one's better. Like I'll just give it a shot. So season one also has a few other things that I think we should definitely talk about. So it introduces Luke Cage to the uh, Marvel Netflix world. What did you think about his interest as to the uh, the universe through this show? I mean, you just, at some level, you just kind of want the guy to be able to own his bar and go about his day. And then just stuff starts getting real, you know? Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this, the, the start um, with Luke Cage. I, I didn't expect him to be in it as much, but I think the writers did a good job because it never felt like it was Luke's show. And I wanted to watch Luke Cage after it. Again, not knowing this, who he was in the comics, like I watched this TV show and I think they did a great job of balancing his story. You got to hear a little bit about, you know, why he wants to just run his bar and just kind of pull away from the world. And yet, Again, he's one of these guys that has these amazing gifts and is kind of sitting in the corner, not really using them because he's just trying to be a good dude, you know? Yeah, I thought they did a great job of bringing him in. In in the Alias book, uh, the comics this is based on, he's a very prevalent character. Um, and then from there, winds up being in the New Avengers and kind of becomes a bigger deal. So I think it's great for them to, to have introed him here. Um, Mike Coulter, who plays him, is fantastic casting. He he has become Luke Cage in a really great way. Fun fact, do you know who else really wanted to get this role of the Luke Cage? No, tell me. The Old Spice commercial dude from a few <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Apparently, he was like really gung-ho about being Luke Cage. Uh, he did an inter- I, First of all, don't ask why I was watching an interview of the Old Spice guy. <laughs> We're not going to get into that. But what is exciting is he tried to... He really wanted to be Luke Cage. And like... I, up until the show started, I was like, okay, like he's, you know, he could do it. And then I saw, you know, Coulter play the role and I was like, okay, he's Luke Cage. That's it. It's done. Yeah. And and I think interesting, it's going to be interesting to see how they use him moving forward. Um, so they have announced there's going to be a season two of Jessica Jones. It'll come after the defenders that is about to drop. Um, I, I think it's, it'll be unique to see, do they stick hard to the comics or do they swerve in a way? So between this series and a Luke Cage series, Luke uh, becomes 
uh, involved with Claire Temple, who's played by Rosario Dawson and mm-hmm. kind of works across all these shows. And uh, they seem to be working that towards a real serious uh, romance. Whereas in the comics, uh, Luke and Jessica wind up uh, having a child together, being together, um, a daughter actually that's named after Danny Rand named Danielle. Okay. So, uh, so it's going to be, it'll be unique to see how much they feel like they have to stick to the comic stories or how much do they let the showrunners tell their own story, you know, take these characters and tweak and twist them a little bit as they go. Do you think there'd be like a, a group of angry people if they took that away from, from Luke and Jessica? Yeah. And I think some of it too is do you, do you long play it? Right. So sure. is it, this happens. So one of the things that I think you have to talk about with these Netflix shows is what's the shelf life? Like how many seasons could they do? Right. Cause some of these guys have been in hundreds and hundreds of comic books at this point. And there are tons and tons of stories to tell. Um, I don't know that I, me as somebody who really likes both the characters in the comics, I wouldn't be upset if they did something different in the shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there were probably some people that are hardcore think they have to end up together. And uh, I don't know that I want us to force that happen too fast or too soon. I think I would like the drama of it. I mean, personally, I think going into the defenders and, and maybe Jessica Jones season two, or if there's a Luke cage two and all this, I, I think I would like to see what they do with, with uh, Claire and with Luke at first and then have Jessica involved in this, like on the side of this thing and kind of being aware of it. And you can see, I mean, it just builds tension, you know? Uh, and I think that would be really powerful again, because it's as, as, as Marvel's making these stories, these are really well-rounded characters. I mean, you really get to see the humanity of these, of these people um, and, and loves a part of that. And I would, I mean, you know, again, it goes back to life's not perfect just because you have powers um, and just because you have powers doesn't mean you get the guy you want, or maybe, you know, you're doing everything you can in this world, like Claire, who's trying to help all these people. And like, it just doesn't work out for you. Like, I, I think those could be interesting conversations to have on these, on these screens. And I think the defenders will tell us a lot where they're going to go. You know, I, I think if they're really heavy handed, pushing Jessica and Luke back together, you know, we'll, we'll know that's, that's going to be the plan. I, I hope they play it in a different way. I do think it's interesting to talk a little bit uh, about the Defenders. So you've got the four core characters, Daredevil, uh, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, all coming together. In the comics, it's um, the Defenders was a title that was used by a whole different set of characters. Um, they're using that name and then putting these characters all into that name, not taking that name and using historical Marvel, what they've done with it. So... With that in mind, like Cage is obviously the one that connects to Jones in the comics. He connects to Iron Fist in the comics. They're longtime sort of buddies. Uh, Daredevil sort of is this outlier. I'm not real sure how they're going to pull all of them together. And uh, and some of the early reviews of the Defender show say the first couple episodes are a little slow in terms of getting the band together. Yeah. And so uh, it, it, I'm curious to see how that's going to go. It's interesting. I think for me, you know, the connective tissue doesn't necessarily seem to be a person, but a place. And it's all just based on the city. They've, they've done a job to make New York a character over the course of these four shows. Absolutely. And I think that seems to be the connective tissue is like each of these people is just trying to rebuild a world after the Avengers destroyed it. Um, and that's what brings them together, at least as far as I see. 
And I think you're right in the terms of like that, that will be the ultimate motivator for all of them is, you know, individually, they've sort of all defended the city or parts of it, you know, even Jessica helping her neighbor get clean, you know, the, that heart of, I still have to help people is buried in the, the rough exterior we see. Well, and of course, you know, saving a bunch of people from being mind controlled, but whatever. <laughs> I am. So it'll be curious to see. So they have said Jessica Jones season two. I think um, a couple of things just from the comics that you might want to think about in that season. Um, they seem to be setting up um, Will Simpson, who played the police officer in uh, season one. As uh, in the comics, that name is affiliated with a guy known as Nuke, who uh, sort of super patriot. It would be very interesting to write in our current political times, uh, <laughs> that character with that history and to see what they would do with that. So they Running around with maybe, a giant flag on his face. Yeah. If you, if you do a Google image search, like uh, that character, that's uh, one of the things that comes up. It's interesting, though. He, he's primarily affiliated with Daredevil. And uh, there's a classic Daredevil issue that crosses over with Captain America. So you, you can see. Uh, Here's the thing for me. And I, I just, in a show that I love and in one of the greatest, for, in my opinion, one of the, the, the best of the Marvel shows on Netflix, he's probably my least favorite thing about it, if I'm just being honest. Yeah. I, I think his story arc is is too wild. At first, he's just a mind-controlled cop, and then he's a love interest for you know, Walker. And then he's like this villain. And I just don't, at first I thought they were doing something kind of great. I thought that like when they first had him on, he was just eye candy in right. the way that like in every other, you know, typical like comic franchise, there's always like the beautiful woman on the side. Who's kind of there just to be beautiful. He seemed like that thing in the Jessica Jones world. Cause you had all these really strong women who were a part of this world and you had this, this guy. And then all of a sudden he like took a big part of the series and I was just like, okay, why are you giving the eye candy like something to do? Like, it just seems kind of like a waste. It does feel like they started to catch wind a little bit that they knew they might get season two and started to write him that way. So yeah, it, uh, it'll be curious to see if, if he really does show up. My, I actually thought he was going to wind up being, uh, one of the big bads in Daredevil season two, that that would have oh, been really? an easy crossover. And when they didn't do that, I, I thought it was kind of a, an interesting to, to see where they take it from there. But I wonder, like, are you going to get, I mean, just based on him in season one, I know, like, are you going to kind of get the Dark Knight problem where you had Heath Ledger as this brilliant villain and then you got, you know, no offense to Tom Hardy, but like his face was covered half the time and he just wasn't as scary as Heath Ledger and in my opinion, the Dark Knight Rises suffered. Are you going to get that with Nuke if he's the villain in season two? Like, it just is not going to be as compelling as Kilgrave. Yeah, and, and I think that that really is the the problem to solve in bringing Jessica Jones to a second season is what are what's going to be the compelling? Who's going to be better than that? Yeah, and, or how do you or how do you revisit some of that in a way that's not you're going to the well over and over again? Yeah, or you just you know bring him back like you do every other Marvel franchise ever. Yeah, let's let's hope not against that. <laughs> uh, so we call this uh, whole series Hall Fights, uh, based in part because we had Daredevil Season 1, we get that amazing Hall Fight. There's not one to me that really stands out. I think the bar fight in the show is really amazing with her and Luke Cage as they sort of find out each other's yeah. more than they seem. Yeah, you really wanted that scene was just really pleasing because you were you knew you were building up to that. Like you knew Luke Cage was unbreakable and you knew Jessica Jones was a superhero of sorts. And you just really wanted to see them figure that out because you knew it, but they didn't know. And that was really kind of cool. 
Yeah, and a great fight and a great, you know, testimony to to both of their powers. Um, I think it's going to be really fun to see the defenders where you have uh, two bruisers and Luke Cage and Jessica and two martial artists and Daredevil and Iron Fist. And, and I mean, you tell me this is true. I, I, I kind of did some research because we knew we were going to talk about this. And it seems that, you know, most of their fight scenes involved a lot of throwing rather than punching. And the reason for that is they're just so strong. Punching would kill people. And so they resort to just throwing people around because it's like less dangerous for other people. Is that is that accurate to the comics at all? Or am I just like reading too much into that? No, yeah. So both of them in terms of strength level, yeah. If they were hitting a normal human being, yeah, it would uh it would be pretty brutal, if not fatal, for almost any of the even a even a tough street thug <laughs> would uh so throwing them around makes way more sense. Uh, well, and like you say too, like they're untrained. They are, you know, they are just bruisers and they are super strong and it's hard to bring them down. I actually thought that came out rather well in the, I mean, going back to Will Simpson, um, the fight where he and Jessica are just going at it and he's beating her because he's trained. Um, and, and obviously on drugs. Uh, right. And then, and then uh, Trish comes in and just saves her. Like you get, you again, get this really cool picture of a girl that really wants to be the hero and the girl that really doesn't want to be the hero, uh, kind of going at it. And this, and, and, uh, I just thought that was really interesting because again, it shows a hero that's vulnerable. It shows a hero that doesn't want to do this. And that's just trying to make the world a little bit better. Um, I just thought that was interesting. And as we move to the defenders, I think we're going to get to see more of, uh, Jessica and I, my gut says she's going to be the same wisecracking character, which I, I think I'm grateful for. Yeah. The trailer um, says that so far. It, yeah. They definitely seem to be setting that up. And, and I think it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how that plays out. Um, as dark as these uh, series have been, um, when you put everybody together, part of what makes the Avengers works, part of what makes guardians of the galaxy works is that sense of humor. And so I hope, they're able to do that in a way that feels genuine and not forced. Yeah. I, it seems like, and I just speculating, of course, like it seems like they'll be able to pull off that rather well because they've done it across four shows. Uh, each one of these shows has had good humor and has had, uh, well, with maybe the exception of Jessica, she, the only funny parts are again, just her personality in a world that doesn't really want to accept it. You know what I mean? Um, and so it'll be funny to put her into these environments where she just rubs people the really wrong way. Uh, and I'm excited to see what they do with that. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be really great to see. So yeah, defenders drop soon. Uh, I would say, uh, for me, uh, Jessica Jones is definitely worth checking out. If you've never watched the series, it's, um, it is dark. It's definitely not a kid's comic book show. <laughs> um, you know, as I would think I would want to wait till you've got an older teenager before you, you showed him the show. But yeah, I, I forgot like how dark it was. I watched th watched it through and then forgot and just knew it was gonna. I knew. I remember that I really liked it and then was gonna show my wife the first season, the first episode, and she watched it and like could not get through it. It was too dark for. Her. So so beware, watch her beware. But I but I think it's definitely one of the better ones of the Netflix series so far. If if you're okay with going into a a darker sort of suspenseful thriller sort of uh, place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Whit, thanks for being on the show and talking about uh, Jessica Jones. We are looking forward to Defenders. Um, from here, we're going to still look at the next two characters, Luke Cage uh, in that season, as long also with Iron Fist in that season. And then when the Defenders uh, convene together, we're going to hopefully do a couple episodes where uh, we watch half a season and then review it, pulling some of us all together on the show. So. Yeah, man, that sounds awesome. Can't wait to hear them. All right.
You just listen to Hall Fights, Jessica Jones. Thanks to Wit, who you can follow on Twitter at Metronome711. And Wit is the editor of this episode as well. Thanks, Wit. Our theme song was created by our amazing sound engineer, Andrew Danielson, who you can find at danielsonsound.com. Next time on Hall Fights, we look at Marvel's choice to reach into what would be their problematic comic past to give a character a much-needed update as Clave and I talk about Luke Cage. Thank you.